Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Standing Before God as we pick up in Job chapter 9, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. In the 8th Psalm, David saw much the same problem, looking at it from a little different direction. He began with the heavens. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Starting from the heavens, coming down to man, he saw the great gap from that direction. Job is standing at this direction and looking up and seeing the same thing. When I consider me, who, who I am, what am I that I could stand before God, that I could justify myself before God, that I could plead my case so as to justify myself before God? If I speak of strength, hey, he's so strong. If I speak of judgment, who will set my, the time for my case? And if I justify myself, my own mouth will condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it will prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet I would not know my soul. I'd despise my life. This is the one thing, therefore, I said it. He destroys the perfect and the wicked. In other words, being good does not give me any immunity from problems. God destroys both the perfect and the wicked. I've said it. You may castigate me for saying it, but I said it. He then speaks of his friends, and he said, if I would wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet you would plunge me in the ditch and my own clothes would abhor me. So, you know, what can I say? I can't tell you how righteous I am or how, you know, innocent I am. You would throw me in the ditch, even if I had cleansed myself. And then he said concerning God, he is not a man as I am. Now remember that. How often we're trying to pull God down to our level How often we fall in the category of those in Romans chapter 1 of which Paul wrote, for the wrath of God shall be revealed from heaven against the ungodly and the unrighteous who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. For when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts were darkened, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they began to worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever and ever ever. You see, they sought to bring man down to their level. They did not glorify him as God. And for me to try to order him around is to fail to glorify him as God. For me to come and demand that you've got to do this now, God, I command in Jesus' name or I, you know, confess This is what you've got to do, God. And begin to lay demands upon God that he's got to do a certain thing. That's not glorifying him as God. 
That's trying to reduce him even below your level. That's trying to make him a genie that comes out of a lamp and grants you your three requests. God is not a genie. He's not some magic amulet. Nor is the purpose of prayer to get your will done. The purpose of prayer is to get God's will done. And he knows so much better than I will ever know that the wisest prayer I could ever offer is, Father, thy will be done in my life. In these situations, Lord, your will be done. I never worry when I don't know how to pray because I don't know how to pray half the time. But I have great confidence because when I don't know how to pray because I don't know what is the will of God concerning this particular situation, I can always just say, Lord, your will be done. And I know that's best. I have that kind of confidence in God because he is so much greater than I am. His wisdom is, and, and all, oh, there's no comparison. There's no, there's no basis for comparison. There's no way that you can compare the finite with the infinite. There isn't even a basis for a comparison. You can't even draw any comparisons. All right, you tell me to get right with God. That's great help. Thanks a lot. Who's going to set the time for me to come and plead my case? And how can I, here I am, how can I ever plead my case before God anyhow? If he starts his cross-examination, asks me a thousand questions, I can't answer a single one. <laughs> if you can't answer a single question out of a thousand, you'll be thrown out of court as an unreliable witness. He's not a man like I am, that I could come and say, hey, hey, what are you doing here? What's going on? He's not a man like I am. Neither is there any daysman between us that might lay his hand upon us both. My situation is hopeless. God is so vast, there's no way I can touch him. I, I can't see him. He, I know he's there. I know he's just. But I have no way of pleading my cause. I'm just a man. He is the infinite God. The only way this could ever be is that somehow there would be between us a daysman, one who could lay his hand on us both. But there isn't any. There's no mediator, no daysman. Oh, how I thank God for the revelation of the New Testament where Paul the Apostle tells us there is one God and there is one mediator. There is one daysman between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who was in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet he emptied himself and took on the form of man. And so he touches God, but he came down and he touched me. As a man, in all points, he was tempted, even as I am, in order that he might be able to help me when I am in my hour of temptation. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But the Word was made flesh, and he dwelt, tabernacled, made his home among us. 
and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For that which was from the beginning, which John said we have seen, we have touched, we have heard, we declare, we saw. Job said, he's around me, I can't see him. John said, I've seen him. The one who existed from the beginning, I've seen him. Job said, I can't touch him. Jo John said, I've touched him. For though man could never build a bridge to God, God in his mercy built the bridge to man. And there is the vast difference between every religious system and Christianity. For in every religious system, you have man's endeavor to build his bridge to God. Man trying to climb the ladder to reach God. Man trying to reach out and touch God. Find God, discover God. But in Christianity, you have God reaching down to man. Therefore, Christianity is reasonable and logical, whereas ever every other religious system is illogical and unreasonable. Because it is illogic and unreasonable to think that the finite could reach the infinite. However, it is very logical and reasonable to believe that the infinite could reach and touch the finite. And that's exactly what Christianity is. The infinite God reaching down to touch the finite man. God so loved the world that he gave, he built the bridge by sending his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but know and experience the eternal life of God. Job cried out, a man stripped of everything, and now you have one of the basic cries of man, a cry of man after God, and it exists down deep in every heart. Sir Henry Drummond in his brilliant scientist in his book, The Nature and the Supernatural, said, there is within the very protoplasm of man's cells those little tentacles that are reaching out for God. You see, when you leave the subject of spaghetti or tacos, which shall it be, and you really get down to the real issues of life, not we need to get some gasoline before we get home or we ought to buy a new Ford or maybe we should move or these mundane things with which we are constantly occupying our lives. When you get to the real issues of life, when you're stripped of these other things and you're down now to basic issues of life, the basic need of man is to somehow touch God. How can I reach him? How can I know him? 
How can I touch him? There's no one between us who can touch us both. That's the only way it could happen. That's the only way it could be, but he doesn't exist. Oh, but Job, there is one who has come, who stands between God and man, who is one with the Father and lays his hand upon the Father, but he has become one with me, and he puts his arm around me and he touches me. And through the touch of Jesus Christ, I am brought in touch with God, the glorious daysman. And the basic need of my life is satisfied. That clamant cry from within is met. And I have an experience of knowing God, of touching God, and of being touched by God through Jesus Christ. Now, you may look at me and say, oh, you poor soul, you actually think you've touched God. My. Well, that's all right for you. And you may feel sorry for me and look upon me sort of with pity. But let me tell you something. The pity that you may feel for me is nothing like the pity I feel for the man who cannot say, I've touched God. The man who doesn't know what it is to have the touch of God upon his life, that's the man to pity and feel sorry for. The man who has never heard the voice of God, the man who has never felt the flush and the joy of the presence of God, that's the man to pity. Don't pity me. I'm in good shape. Now Job goes on in the 10th chapter. He said, my soul is weary of my life. He goes right back into his misery. He, he looks for the answer, but it isn't there. It isn't to be found. And so I return back to my weariness of life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me where you are contending with me. It is good unto thee that you should oppress and that you should despise the work of your hands and that you should shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Have you eyes of flesh, or do you see as a man sees? Are thy days as the days of a man? Are thy years as a man years? That you inquire after my iniquity and search after my sin? You know that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of your hand. Your hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet you are destroying me. Remember, I beseech thee, that you have made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? So Job is pleading now his cause before God. God, I don't know. Can you see as I see? Do you have ears? Do you, you know? You've made me, Lord. You've made me out of the dust. Now remember that. You know, that to me is comforting that God does remember that. In the Psalms we read that he knows our frame that we are but dust. Hey, you're not Superman. You're not Wonder Woman. You're dust. You're not the super saint that you'd like to be and that you sometimes think you are. 
You're dust. You were made out of dust. And God remembers that. Thank you, Father, for remembering. Because I sometimes forget. I think that I am more than I really am. I think that I can accomplish more than I really can. I think I've achieved more than I really have. And I begin to get a little self-confidence, a little prideful. And in his love, he deflates me. And here I am, all bummed out, failed again, messed things up. Oh, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I'm so disappointed in myself, stumbled once more, failed again. And he says, oh, come on, you're nothing but dust to begin with. Did you forget that? Yep. <laughs> well, I didn't. He knows your frame. He knows you're not made of steel. He knows you're made of dust. And so Job is reminding him, and it is a truth, remember that you have made me like clay. Are you going to bring me to the dust again? Have you not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? This, is, of course, is poetry and picturesque kind of speech. God's poured me out like milk and curdled me like cheese. You've clothed me with skin and flesh, and you've fenced me about. And can you see now your skeleton as a fence with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thine heart, and I know that this is with thee. And if I sin, then you mark me, and you will not acquit me from mine iniquity. If I be wicked, woe unto me, and if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of confusion. Therefore, look upon my affliction. God, I'm totally confused. I don't understand life. I don't understand the things that are happening to me. Oh, God, just look upon my affliction. I, here I am, God, just filled with confusion. I've, I've sat with her where Job is sitting many times where I've just become totally confused with life. All the, the intricate little intertwinings. Look upon my affliction, Lord, for it increases. You hunt me as a fierce lion, and again you show yourself marvelous upon me. You renew your witness against me and increase your indignation upon me, and changes and war are against me. Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Why, Lord, did you allow me to live from birth? Oh, that I had died and no eye had ever seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone, that I may take just a little comfort. Before I go from where I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land of darkness as darkness itself and the shadow of death without any order and where the light is its darkness. God, just give me a little reprieve before I die. I'm so confused. <laughs> That's a sort of a dark place to leave you, but unfortunately, <laughs> we don't get any light until we get to the 38th chapter. So <laughs> hang on.
life in the raw. That's what it's all about. The basic gut level issues of life. What is it really about? When you take away the props upon which we are constantly leaning, what's the real issue of life? We have it here in Job. It's not always pleasant. It's far from perfect. We do have basic needs. But God has met our needs through Jesus Christ. And for each cry that comes out from the heart of Job in the New Testament through Jesus Christ, there's an answer. For God in Christ has provided for the basic needs of man. And I'm so thankful. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 9 through 10 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and strengthen you and bless you and keep you in all your ways as you walk in fellowship with him. May your life be enriched in the fullness of that mercy and grace that he has extended towards us through Jesus our Lord. God bless you and give you a beautiful week. Strengthened by the Lord, may you abound in all things in Christ the glory and the praise and the honor of our God, our Savior and our Lord. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. 
I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking. And are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.